Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Well, the White House announced this morning that they are actively reviewing Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. This law has been the biggest protection for big tech platforms like Facebook against any sort of lawsuit. But as President Biden pushes social media firms to crack down on misinformation, especially as it relates uh, to the pandemic, Uh, We want to explore what is the future of Section 230, but I want to start uh, with something that uh, White House Communications Director Kate uh, Bedingfield said this morning on MSNBC relating to what the president may or may not do in terms of this Section 230. As a candidate, the president said he was open to getting rid of Section 230, and I'm just wondering if he's open to amending 230 when Facebook and Twitter and other social media outlets spread false information um, that cause Americans harm, shouldn't they be held accountable in a real way? Shouldn't they be liable for publishing that information and then open to lawsuits? Well, we're reviewing that, and certainly they should be held accountable. And I think you've heard the president speak very aggressively about this. He understands this is an important piece of the ecosystem. Uh, so, again, that's uh, Kate uh, Bedingfield, the uh, White House communications director, saying they are looking at this, assessing this. And so we really want to break this down in a way that makes sense for all of us. And to help us do that, Canyon Brimhall is joining us. He is the uh, uh, federal government affairs manager at the R Street Institute. Uh, he works uh, with the uh, technology and innovation and cybersecurity and emerging threats teams to promote pragmatic free market policy solutions to compact, complex technological issues. Uh, Canyon, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, So let's jump into this. First, uh, just for some of our listeners uh, who may not be following Section 230, you know, we speak of little else at my house, uh, but uh, some of us don't uh, do that every single day. What is Section 230? It is getting a lot of uh, play these days. Yeah, so the Section 230, in short, uh, is the law that says uh, content posted on the Internet is only uh, the responsibility of the poster. Or another way to put it is websites are not liable for the content that their users post, only the content that the website itself posts. There are some other you know, provisions in it as well, but that's kind of when people talk about Section 230, that's the main thing they're talking about. Okay, so it, it really is a thing that protects uh platforms, social media platforms like Facebook, like Twitter, uh, from being liable for all of the tweets and all of the posts and all of the responses and so on. 
that get pushed to their platform. So when the White House says that they're willing to uh, take a look at that and review that, what are they really saying? And and then this always bumps up against that uh, pesky thing uh, we, we call the First Amendment. So how does that all play in together? Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that because actually, uh, you know, how you phrase that of uh, the Section 230 being the law that protects uh, social media companies, uh, you know, their ability to take down content and those kind of things without being liable. Actually, it's, it's the First Amendment that does that. Um, Section 230's role, I, I view it as kind of a, a helpful uh, addition to the mm. First Amendment, but it's not a replacement, uh, nor is it separate. It really uh, just helps to dismiss lawsuits at an earlier phase so that you don't get a lot of frivolous lawsuits that would, in my opinion, be ultimately struck down by First Amendment concerns, uh, even if they were to advance. Yeah. I apologize. What was the the core of your question? I want to make sure I get to the rest uh, of it. No, no, that's uh, that's very helpful in in terms of doing that. So as as you look at that, as you look at the White House uh, focusing on that, uh, if – if they were to uh, strip down some of that Section 230, and again, I really appreciate the way you frame that, uh, Canyon, in terms of uh, it is the First Amendment that ultimately protects that, but this really is a tool uh, or a support structure, a scaffolding, so to speak. Uh, if 230 were to go away or, or to be changed in the way that the uh, Biden administration seems to be looking at it, uh, what, what's, what are the ramifications there? What should we be watching for as this uh, plays out? Yeah, absolutely. I think that the biggest thing changing Section 230 or eliminating it altogether would do is be a a giant giveaway to trial lawyers. Um, Basically, it's saying if you want to sue, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Google, various large tech companies, um, we're going to give you the ability to do so. So I think that we would see a a severe increase in frivolous lawsuits aimed towards these companies, usually based on, you know, somebody posted something uh, offensive to your website. So we're suing you. Um, I also think that it would have a really big impact on small startup corporations because, I mean, frankly, Facebook has an army of lawyers, right? Right. They can afford to litigate these. They can afford to defend themselves against those lawsuits. Um, And I think that that, there's a reason that you see Facebook pushing for changes to Section 230, right? Mm. It's not because it will hurt them and they're benevolent and they just say, oh, well, you know, never mind, we'll take the hit. They think that... Uh, these regulations will hurt their competitors more than Facebook. And I think small startup corporations especially will be crushed under a tidal wave of litigation uh, where they'll have to defend every single post that anyone puts on their website. Uh, To put a little finer point on that as well, I think we either end up with essentially a walled garden where everything that you want to put on their website has to be pre-approved or kind of a lawless wasteland where any and everything goes, and people are afraid to moderate content because if they do, they'll be liable. Yeah, that that is great. And I love the fact that you brought up these small companies because so often uh, you, you do hear large companies complain about regulatory regimes or schemes, uh, but in many ways they sort of promote them uh, because they can afford an army of lawyers and lobbyists where their competition especially startups and small businesses and entrepreneurs, just there's no way for them to compete. It creates a barrier to entry that is just uh, is just enormous. Yep. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things that uh, people are getting wrong, especially those that think that, you know, these laws changing Section 230 would somehow hamper Facebook or, or restrict them or rein them in. Um, I 
believe very strongly that these proposals would make Facebook stronger and eliminate competition. Yeah, oh, that's a that's a fascinating thing. We're going to have to come back and dig down into that a little bit more. Uh, I also love this idea of is there a space somewhere between uh, the walled garden, as as you said, where everything is pre-approved before posted, and uh, just the wild west where everything is up. Uh, and going, is there a, a path, and what do you see uh, playing out as this moves forward? Yeah, I think basically, as I was saying, you know, you might end up with a Facebook where you could still post content uh, without it being pre-approved, um, and then it might be litigated, and then you know, ultimately be handled in a court system or something along those lines. Um, but I don't think there's really a work. That, that's kind of the best case scenario is that Facebook is able to defend themselves against the lawsuits and therefore allow you to keep putting things up. But I think even in that world, you would see an increase in moderation because essentially what you'd be saying is anything, any content that Facebook isn't willing to defend in court, um, they're not going to they're leave gonna... on their website. Oh, man. Fascinating stuff. This is so important conversation. Uh, Canyon Brimhall uh, from R Street Institute. Always appreciate your insight and uh, the great work of R Street Institute. Uh, This is an important conversation relating to Section 230 and uh, important conversations in terms of making sure that those First Amendment rights uh, remain the ultimate First Amendment rights. They are first freedoms for a reason. Uh, Canyon, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, again, that's Kenya Brimhall from uh, R Street Institute. And uh, this is one that we're going to continue to uh, to debate and to work through. And what is the role of these social media platforms in terms of misinformation or disinformation? What's the responsibility? Does this restrict competition? I love that we got into that uh, as well. Some critical conversations going on today. We're going to keep picking up on the other side of the news And we're going to talk about some powerful things in terms of balanced federalism coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.